Hi, and welcome to the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. I'm David Auerbach, CEO and publisher. We just have been watching Apple's live announcement from Apple Park today. We have new Apple Watches and iPads coming out from the tech giant, as well as I, um, software updates. And we're going to break down everything Apple announced and help you decide what you should buy also help you figure out how to get the new software and when. And it was a lot announced today. When it, when it ended, it was an hour and it was jam-packed and my head was spinning. So we're gonna help you guys kind of unpack all of that because it's a lot to figure out and we didn't even get iPhones, spoiler alert, no iPhones. <laughs> I know, I feel a lot of our followers on the Facebook group were very sad about that because this is definitely breaking with tradition for Apple. Usually we get iPhones at this fall announcement. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's start there, but before we do, let me tell you a little bit about our sponsor. Today's sponsor is OWC, and I'm really excited to tell you about their product, the Envoy Pro. The Envoy Pro is a, uh, it is a USB powered hard drive, so it's an external hard drive. It's solid state, and so solid state is a really fast hard drive, and what makes it really, uh, unique is both, it's really portable, it's rugged, so you can just throw in your bag. It's small, but it's also really sleek and beautiful. So it, uh, if you go look at the pictures, if you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast, we'll link to it. Their pictures online have it right next to like a MacBook and it just matches. It's got that really beautiful aluminum shell. Uh, it's a very reasonable price. Uh, it's uh, only $54.99 and uh, with these, it works with both a computer and the iPad. So the new spoiler, the new iPad Air comes with a USB-C port. And so you can actually use it with the iPad Air or the iPad Pro. So go check it out. That's the OWC Envoy Pro. Uh, and we'll link to it in the show notes at iphonelife.com slash podcast. Or you can go directly to their website. It's just macsales.com. I know a couple of people on our team use that, use this product and really like it. So that also is a good, you know, when people are actually like fighting over products in the office, that it's a good product. Yeah. I, I had a fun conversation with Nicholas who uses it and he, I was, he was telling me all about it. And what he was saying, he was like, you know, they, they really want you to tell them, tell people that it's sleek, but actually just so you know, it's really sleek. It's beautiful. Like he wanted to make sure that I knew that the marketing copy was true. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cute. Yeah. <laughs> we also wanted to tell you about our Insider subscription. We have a premium membership called iPhone Life Insider, and it's our educational platform that helps you get the most out of your iPhone. And this is our most popular time of the year because not only do we have guides that teach you how to use all the new softwares, including um, iOS 14 and iPad OS 14, but we now offer courses as part of our membership. So once you sign up for a low monthly fee, you now can also attend any of the courses that we're teaching. We're going to be starting next Wednesday, September 23rd at 4 p.m. Eastern time. We'll be doing weekly live sessions where we'll walk you through how to use iOS 14. David and I will be your instructors, also Colin Thomas, who is a writer and producer here. So we'll be your live instructors. We'll help you master all of the new features. At home, you can be holding your iPhone and following along with us as we show you everything, ask us your questions live, and um, attend group discussions every Thursday where we give you little assignments and you check. 
follow up with us. And so if you had any issues, then we make sure that you have them resolved. So it's a lot of, it's a really fun way to make sure that you learn all of these new features and make sure you're taking advantage of all the new technology Apple has for you. So if you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount, you get 50% off your subscription right now. So not only is it the best time of year for you because we have our best content this time of year, but also this is an amazing deal. 50% off, like I said, plus we have our 10% senior discount, um, which if you're a senior service personnel um, or we, what were the other? <laughs> health professional is the new one. Senior service personnel, health professional or veteran. Veteran, yeah. Then you can just check that box and get an extra 10% off for a total of 60% off your subscription. And just to break it down really quickly, because we've got a lot coming out. We, as soon as the beta for iOS 14 comes out, we spend hundreds of hours pouring through it, finding every tidbit of what's changed, all the hidden tips and tricks, so that the day that iOS 14 comes out to you all, we're we're here for you. So here's what we got going on. Um, We have on Thursday, actually, let me, uh, tomorrow, on Wednesday, iOS 14 comes out. On that day, we will be releasing an in-depth guide. It's going to have everything you need. Uh, It's got a printable PDF. It's got step-by-step video tutorials. uh, And that's all for iOS 14 on the day iOS 14 comes out. Then the next day on Thursday, we will be having a bonus class for people who are in the Insider program that tells you how to update to iOS 14. There's a lot of tips and tricks and a lot of pitfalls people fall into when updating. And you just want to make sure you're doing it in a way that A, you don't lose any of your old materials. uh, And B, you don't run into any storage issues. So we're going to walk you through everything you need to know to update for iOS 14. And then next Wednesday, we start our class. And that'll be we have eight sessions. Uh, we have two per week. We have a, a class on Wednesdays and we have a discussion group on Thursdays for four straight weeks. Um, so we're really, that's a really fun opportunity because uh, it allows us to go way more in depth than just the guides. And as Donna was saying, that's included now in your subscription. We used to charge up to $350 for this class. So now it's included in your subscription for free if you're an insider. Uh, and as Donna mentioned, one more time, if you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount, we will offer 50% off. So it is very affordable right now. And it's 60% off if you're a senior service pro- pro- professional or service personnel or health professional. <laughs> <laughs> or veteran. Or veteran. <laughs> yeah. So we hope you join us in this course. Also, if you can't attend live, you can watch video replays. We post those right away too. Yes, so it's a great you. way you can learn however you want. Basically, with Insider, we give you a lot of options. And that's it. We now, instead of going about our usual format for the show, we're going to get straight into an announcement recap, tell you everything Apple came out with today, and then we'll give you our take on that, um, mainly what we liked, what we didn't like, what we recommend, what we want to buy, and what we recommend you buy, depending on um, people's different situations and needs. So let's get into it now. As I mentioned, we got a couple of Apple Watches and we got a couple of iPads. We also had some interesting services announcements, which I thought we could talk about those first. And um, I don't know if I mentioned it earlier, but I wanted to tell you the software release dates too. So iOS 14, 
iPad OS 14 and watch OS 7 are all being released tomorrow, September 16th. And I'm so excited. I know. And like, we were one, you know, we've been hearing that we weren't going to get the iPhone 12 and we've been a little bit sad about that. Um, but one question we had is like, what's going to happen with the software releases? Are we yeah. going to get those right away? Um, as David pointed out, if we're getting new iPads and Apple watches, we're going to need new software for that. So it was probably going to either be this week or next, but I'm a little surprised it's so soon. So that's exciting. <laughs> and as you can tell, we've been working months to get ready for it. And then Apple gave <laughs> us one day's notice for when we can have release our guide. So we're ready for y'all, but uh, Apple did not do us any favors. No, um, so yeah, no thanks to Apple. <laughs> yeah, let's and, um, start at the beginning because I feel like a lot of people don't, you know, for us, we cover this every year and we're very familiar with it. But I just want to take a step back and give a context of, of what the Apple announcement is. Historically, Apple always has an, an iPhone announcement in the fall. Uh, and it's usually almost exactly this date. It's either the second or third week of September. They announce the iPhone, and then they announce sometimes a few other products. And then oftentimes in October, they will have a second announcement for iPads. This year, they flipped it. They are announcing the iPads and the Apple Watch today. They announced it. And every rumor I've read expects them to announce iPhones in October. So I think we are getting iPhones. People don't need to worry that we're not going to get them. They're just going to be a little bit late. And the reason for that that I've heard is just production issues uh, due to COVID, that they've had to delay the device a little bit because of that. Um, so that the other piece of it that has been interesting this year has been that typically these announcements historically were when Steve Jobs would do the whole announcement. And they're one of the things that made Steve Jobs so beloved in the industry was he was incredible at these announcements. He famously one time when he announced the original iPhone called Starbucks and ordered 250 <laughs> coffees on stage. Um, so he, historically he's been the one that did it. Due to COVID, obviously Tim Cook has been doing it for a while now. But uh, due to COVID, it's all been pre-recorded this year. So it's had a very different flavor. Um, so I just wanted to give everybody a little bit of context. Donna, what was your kind of big picture impression of a COVID-style announcement? Um, Apple got really into lots of cool camera zooming effects. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, like every time, because now Tim Cook will do some of the announcement, but you can yeah. tell that it's not his forte. No. Um, like he's a little uncomfortable and awkward and I love Tim Cook. I think he's great, yeah. but it's like, he just does not have the charisma that Steve Jobs had. And I think it's a good thing that he doesn't try to carry the whole announcement. <laughs> so he comes on, he came on and did production. And then whenever they switched to a new speaker, they like zoom, did all these zooms around Apple park and into a different room and had a different announcer. And I mean, I think it worked fine. I think that already Apple announcements even before COVID had taken a bit of a cheesy turn and they're always like lots of kind of awkward dad jokes and stuff like yeah. that. And definitely this time was no exception. Um, but I, I feel like it, it is fun to watch. And I think even though we didn't get iPhones, I'm excited about the new devices, um, especially, well, I'll save it for later. One of the new iPads I'm especially Ooh. think is cool. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, well, something I have to remind myself of is there's no other company in the world where I will tune in to a one to two hour event to see what products will be announced. 
And so I think, you know, just by virtue of that they capture my attention and the world's attention, you got to give them a lot of credit for pulling off an event like that. But definitely, it's not the same as it was. And I hate to say it because the whole, like, nobody will ever be Steve Jobs trope is just getting worn out at this point. But it's hard because those of us who covered this industry fell in love with Apple in that era and Apple does it still does a great job, but it just doesn't have the same uh, energy that it used to have. Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, and this year, I mean, it being such an unusual year on so many fronts because of the pandemic this year was even had lost something even further, just not having the iPhones. um, It felt it's an hour shorter than it usually is, even though they packed a lot in Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, there's some less excitement because we have to wait for the iPhones as well, I think. Yeah, definitely. And due to COVID, the pre-recorded nature of it. But let's, let's dive in. Let's talk yeah. about, let's talk about what we are excited about. <laughs> okay. And one thing I wanted to mention too, is that um, in October, we're expecting new iPhones and we're actually expecting four new models. Mm. Um, I, David and Nicholas already talked about this in the last episode where they went over rumors but um, I'm still looking forward to that because they're gonna, supposed to be 5G iPhones and um, we're getting some new, even bigger displays. There was like supposed to be one of the new models this supposed to be enormous. Yeah, it'll, uh, I, I'm very excited. I mean, part of my disappointment this time is less about what was announced because I thought they have great products announced and more just what was not announced, which was um, honestly, not just the iPhones, the I was very excited about a new HomePod, didn't get announced. The AirTags, I could take a leave, but it's, a, it's an exciting announcement because it's a, such a new product for them. So yeah, all of that didn't get announced. So October will be interesting as well. And for those listening, AirTags are um, rumored devices that were gonna be Bluetooth trackers that you could either put like in a wallet or a purse or something like that, attach it to your keys and be able to track items through your Find My app on your iPhone or iPad. So it's just a way to keep track of things. Already Tile has a similar product you may already know about. So those were things that we were, we were expecting today and didn't get. So that's mm-hmm. what we did not get. Um, we did get the Apple Watch Series 6. Um, and that the biggest new feature of that is the blood oxygen sensor that comes in there. Um, and so that's adding on top of already we have the heart rate sensor. It can track heart arrhythmia potentially. Or if you have that, that was something um, that we've already had for a while. Now this is an added center sensor that tracks your respiratory health. And this, they didn't really talk about it a whole lot at the announcement, probably for liability reasons, but it is a little more exciting because that's one of the metrics that you want to track if you have, or not maybe metrics, that's one of the <laughs> uh, symptoms you want to track if yeah. you have COVID-19. Yeah. Um, and so that could be appealing for people who are worried about that. Yeah. And I think in particular, one of the things they're finding is that it's a long recovery for COVID-19 and, and you know, your respiratory system takes a long time to recover from that. And so it's something you want to continue to monitor for an ongoing basis for a long period of time. So it's not, I don't think anybody's going to like buy an Apple watch because they got covid for two weeks, but like if it's something that you're going to need to monitor for a long time, it is a pretty important metric in all of our lives right now. 
Yeah, for sure. And so the other big selling points is that the always on display that we got with the series five, which keeps your, your display on, even when you're not looking at your watch, but does this sort of conserved energy version, that's going to be two and a half times brighter with this Mm -hmm. model of the um, Apple watch. Also, there's a cool new feature called family setup that allows you to pair multiple Apple watches, as long as they're cellular Apple watches to an iPhone and so if you have kids or older parents, the whole idea is that you can help keep track of them and also not be forced to buy a new iPhone for all of your, yeah. <laughs> all like of your children yeah. or, or like I said, older adults. And so that's a pretty exciting new feature. Um, we got some new stra- straps. We are not getting adapters in the box, which they're very excited to tell us because that can save on, on waste. Um, which I thought, I mean, I, I'm for all for saving on waste, but I thought it was funny that they announced that as if I, it was like an exciting new thing. I'm confused by that. I, how are people expected to charge their Apple watch? I think the idea is that you already have an adapter. So they're going to give you the, uh, they're going to give you, you get the, the puck. puck. Okay. The puck and you still, and it'll like be a USB-C to puck little, um, wire and then you would cable. Just into the cable. <laughs> wow. Words today are hard for me. And so you just have to plug it into either your computer or an, an adapter that you already have. Okay. And most people have a USB adapter. And by definition you do because you have an iPhone. Yeah. Unless you like lost it or something. Unless you give your Apple watch to your kid and then they're just screwed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when not only we get the, the Apple watch series six, that by the way is starting at three ninety nine. Um, but we also got the Apple Watch SE, which is a budget version that starts at 279 And it's interesting comparing it to the Series 5 and Series 6 and Series 3 um, because there's, there's some differences there. So the Series 5 has been discontinued now. That was last year's Apple Watch. And it has some of the same features that the SE has. The SE has the same processor as a series five, uh, but it doesn't have the electrical heart sensor that the series five had. Um, and it does not also have the always on display that all the new Apple watches have. Uh, so it is a lower price point, but you're missing out on some of those things. It doesn't also have the bl- blood oxygen sensor that the newest one has. So you're missing like pretty important health sensor- sensors if you go oh, with this budget option. Somehow I missed that it didn't have the always on display because the series five does have the always on display. I know. That makes yeah. me sad because I was getting ready to come in and say, I think that the, the uh, Apple Watch SE is the way to go. But I, because right. I don't know personally that I am going to care that much about the blood oxygen levels. And I know it, whenever we talk about Apple Watches, I get myself into this camp where I decide that I don't care about a certain health metric. And then we get a lot of emails from people telling me why it's so important to them. So I appreciate that it's just a personal thing and that I am not necessarily tracking those health metrics as closely as other people. And I don't necessarily have a, uh, a reason to, and a lot of people do, if you, uh, you know, in our, for example, we, t- a lot of people we were talking to, even in our company have a loved one with sleep apnea or has asthma and there's a million reasons why it'd be useful um anyway to get back to my point i personally don't care as much about that feature so the se would be appealing but i have the five and i love my always on display and i would be sad to lose it 
Yeah, I, I just double, as soon as you said that, I was like, let me double check to make sure I got that right in my notes. And I, I just confirmed that. Yeah, okay. I, to me, that was, it wasn't a big enough feature to want to upgrade my Apple Watch for, but I really hate how my, I have a Series 4 and I hate that it always turns off whenever I put my wrist away and like sometimes it'll be lag or it doesn't catch it when I am trying to look at it. Yeah, so just to back up, for those who don't have an Apple Watch to understand what we're talking about here, up until the Series 5, how it worked is your Apple Watch would be basically a blank black screen until you looked at it. And when you look at your Apple Watch, it turns on and the screen shows you your, your watch. 90% of the time, that works really well. It saves the battery so that if you have your screen on all the time, your, your Apple Watch dies in the middle of the day and you don't want to have a watch that dies in the middle of the day. And when you look at the phone, when you look at the watch, you can see it. But as Donna's saying, it just was not perfect. There's a lot of times where I just look down and out of the corner of my eye, I want to check the time or check a notification. Uh, and I would not necessarily want to sit there and put my Apple Watch in front of my face. And even sometimes my Apple Watch wouldn't register it, uh, where I turn and I go to look at my Apple Watch and it wouldn't know that I was trying to look at my Apple Watch and I'd just be staring at a blank screen. So those are the reasons why always on display is great. It conserves battery so you can still make it through the day, but you can also have um, your Apple Watch on all the time. So if I just glance down, I can see the time without having to like activate it. Yeah, so it, that that's pretty nice. I, I feel like basically Apple is pretty clearly trying to come out with a, a version that can compete with Fitbit and some of the other cheaper fitness bands out there, yeah. but it's missing some of the important things like no always on display and the sensors, I mean, those help make the fitness tracking more accurate. Yeah. And totally. so to me, that's a little bit, that's a tough trade-off to want to do that. It will tell you if your heart rate spikes too high or low. It can do the basics of heart rate tracking, but and uses that in the fitness band, but it just doesn't have the same the same sensors. Um, and yeah, the oh, so I was gonna say the series five is discontinued. Apple's still offering the series three, and that starts at one ninety nine. So -hmm. that's another option that people have as well. But um, that's you're you're then like getting into pretty old technology if you're buying that at this point. Yeah, here's the thing I would say. Um, Apple Watches, unlike iPhones, last a really long time. You don't need to buy a new Apple Watch every year, even every two years. I have the Series 5, and before that, I had the original one. So I waited five years to update. And if you are going to keep a device for that long, I think it's a small price to pay to get the latest and greatest one, in my opinion. What do you think, Donna? You're thinking of getting it, right? No, I mean, I'm pretty happy with my Series 4 still. Oh, okay. Um, so I probably won't won't upgrade right now. Um, I might wait till like next year's one. But I do agree. Like I have a nephew right now who's considering getting an Apple Watch. And I last week was messaging me about it. And I was like, why don't you wait till the Apple announcement to see what they come out with? The One of the biggest things that I actually told him that he should look out for is if there's improvements in the battery mm-hmm. and the performance. Because I think... Um, if there's more efficiency in the performance and therefore a better battery life, or if the battery is bigger, that's something worth waiting for because right. Like my biggest complaint with Apple watch is just that some, if you use it a lot, if you use the fitness tracking a lot, or if you have cellular and use that a lot, it burns through the battery quickly and your Apple watch might not last even one day. Yeah. So I don't have cellular 
And I don't sleep with my Apple Watch because I know if you do the sleep tracking, obviously you can't charge it as much. I have, but so that being said, because those are two reasons why I don't drain my battery as much and I don't work out as much as I should. (laughs) It's the third reason. Um, (laughs) But I have no problem having my Apple Watch last of the day. Like I don't don't think I've ever had my Apple Watch die on me. Um, Really? Yeah. So, and I have the Series 5. So personally, I wouldn't worry about it that much for the Series 6. Um, but I don't know. I think I, that we can make that one of our many questions of the day, because I'm sure we'll have more than one. Do you have a Series 5 Apple Watch, and how is your battery life for it? We'll crowdsource this. Send us an yeah. email at podcast at iphonelife.com. Podcast at iphonelife.com. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, we get, we're getting some new Apple Watch faces, too. They showed, like, Memoji ones. Mm-hmm. What were some of the other ones they showed, David? They had um, they had one with like an artist had drawn a face for each of the like hours. That was one I remember. I was so unexcited. I'm never excited about the Apple Watch faces, so it didn't kind of went in one ear and out the other, unfortunately. Yeah, a lot of them looked like the pretty ones and the fun ones that you can see, you know, like when my niece gets a hold of my Apple Watch, she loves going through them. But really the ones that I'm going to want to use most of the time have a lot of the complications on them, which are usually not the like pretty fun ones. Yeah, I have. And those waste your battery. Those watching the video podcast can see I have like the dorkiest one. (laughs) It has like every complication imaginable. I Um, have the same one too. Okay. Can I tell you a couple of things that I am excited about though? Yeah. I am, I think it's sneaky, exciting, the new bands. People were making fun of them, but I have the hardest time finding a band that looks good, is affordable, that I can, that is sweat proof. So I can wear at the gym, but also wear it throughout my day. And the final thing is you really need your Apple Watch to have a snug fit because if it doesn't, your heart rate, two things happen that are really annoying problems. Number one is your heart rate monitor doesn't work very well. So if I'm on a run and you don't, if you don't have a snug fit, it won't know your heart rate, which is if you're doing a fitness device, it's really annoying. But also your Apple Watch uses your heart rate to sense your Apple Watch is on your wrist and that's what keeps it unlocked all day. And so if you don't have a snug fit, what I was finding is my Apple Watch kept locking on me throughout the day and then I'd have to go unlock it to access it, which was really annoying. So you want a snug fit. So all of that means they have these new bands that basically we, we kind of compared them to fancy looking Livestrong bands, like those like rubber bands that people wear on their wrist. Right. Uh, and I thought it was a great idea. I know it's like easy to make fun of because they look like, like a 1990s Livestrong band, but I thought it solved all the problems that I just named. No, I think it's great too. Also the design of the sports band, um, made it easy to drop your watch when you were trying to put it on. And that happened to Tyler, my husband recently had to replace his Apple watch because he kept on trying to like, it's weird. It's hard. And then it like fell as he was doing it, it fell off and broke this display. Oh, that's sad. So I was like, as soon as I saw the new watch bands, I was like texting him being like, you need to get one of these. Well, and I have the like infinity band. I don't know what they call it. Um, And this one works well. It's Velcro. And it doesn't look bad, but the new ones look like they would maybe be a little bit easier to put on and fit a little bit better. And I think looked even a little nicer. So I was excited I about that. I think so. I thought that like, what did you think of the braided? So it's like they have a silicone one that's like has a braided pattern. 
I liked that one the most because it looked it, it it served had the same functionality but looked a little bit less like live strong band. <laughs> it did, yeah, and I feel like. Like that braided silicone sounds like it would be hideous, but it actually looked pretty nice. It looked weirdly nice. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, the, the other thing I'm excited about, and this isn't going to be a feature for everybody, but it's a really useful, thoughtful feature, which is the ability to have an Apple Watch for a kid. I know it yeah. sounds weird because why would you buy an Apple Watch for a kid? But my partner and I just went through this exact situation where her stepson or my stepson, her son, uh, goes back and forth between... Uh, his dad's house and our house. And we wanted to be able to talk to him while he was there and get in touch with him. We wanted to know his location in case of an emergency. And so we ended up buying him a phone and that's been fine, but he doesn't really need an entire iPhone. And there's a lot of life management problems that come up with having, giving an eight year old an iPhone. He's always wanting to buy games that he shouldn't be buying and play his iPhone in inappropriate times. So an Apple Watch kind of solves that problem for people who are sort of tech wary, like people who want to be able to take advantage of like the very life-saving technologies of being able to get in touch with your parents or track your child, uh, but don't necessarily just want to hand over an iPhone to a kid. And so I think it has a really useful uh, kind of middle ground. And I, I think we probably would have done that if it was available. Yeah, I think it's... I mean, it's really nice because in general, I think that having to have an iPhone for every Apple Watch is kind of unfortunate anyways. So having that, I mean, I can see it for a kid, but a lot of different situations that you might want that. Um, you know, for instance, like the elderly parents too, like my yeah. dad just bought my grandma an Apple Watch. She does have an iPhone, but I know a lot of older people um, like who resist wanting to have like the latest and greatest phones that that could be something too that they just wouldn't want to bother with but would want the apple watch yeah exactly exactly so i thought those are really great features is there anything we missed i feel like we covered it pretty thoroughly was there anything that stood out I to think you those are the main saying? things i mean i think like like you said probably i i'm the most excited about the series six because i feel like if we're giving takes up to people on like what that what to buy I do think like if you can afford it, spending the extra $100, $150 to get the newest one, that would probably be my recommendation. Yeah. That way you get the blood oxygen sensor, which sounds like it could be a good thing, especially considering the times we're living in. Um, and then also getting the two and a half times brighter display. I also think I would recommend getting the SE over the Series 3 if you are trying to save some money because... Um, the processor is a lot better in the SE. It's the Series 5 processor, and it's um, the performance is going to be better. I would imagine it would end up, the battery would be at least a little bit better too. Yeah, I think these, you know, in general, we struggle with this exact problem when making buying recommendations is really it comes down to how much money you have, and we can't sit down with you and look at your bank account and make the decision for you. So we tend to be like, hey, the, new, the latest and greatest of the nicest. Um, yes. I think that the middle ground, I think that the SE is a great middle ground device. And I think Apple has actually in recent years done a really good job coming out with those. We'll talk about the iPad Series 8 in a little bit, and that's a similar thing. It won't be the most exciting, but it is still a really great device. They put a lot of great features into it. It's going to be fast. Battery life's going to be great. It's going to last you years. So I think it's a reasonable option. Um, but I agree with you, Donna. I'm the the unfortunate thing because I 
I want to make the case for the iPhone SE because my wife needs a new Apple Watch. <laughs> and so I would like to buy the cheaper one. But I think, I think I've talked myself and you've talked me into buying her the nicer one. Because A, like you said, you, you know, she had the original series. And you know what happened? The entire front just popped off. That happened to me too. I it was know. a weird thing. Like the battery expands over time and pops yeah. it off. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So I wanted to so, tell people you can actually order it today. It's available Friday, but you can order it today. Okay. You can tell people, but don't tell my wife. <laughs> so you're going to get one for your wife, but what about, um, what about for you? I'm going to keep my Series 5. I think nothing about, like I said, the only thing that would make me upgrade, because I have my always-on display uh, and my battery life is great. The only thing that would make me upgrade would be the oxygen sensor. And I don't personally suffer from any illnesses that would make that worth $500 for me to monitor. <laughs> um, so I'm going to keep it. And you're going to stick with your Series 3 and wait till the Series 6? I've got the Series 4, and oh, I think okay. I'm going to wait for the Series 6. Um, the blood oxygen I'm, I'm intrigued by, but I... The main thing I would want is the always-on display. So I think I'm just going to wait and let a couple more features stack up that I want before I upgrade. Yeah. And um, I also don't use the sleep tracking. I had some fun tracking that for a, like a few nights, but it's not something I'm doing regularly. So the battery is fine for me for now. It lasts me through the day. I've been Maybe it's just also that I don't exercise enough. <laughs> I've been sleeping terribly. So I am kind of tempted to try it to like see, see what's going on. Because um, I did used to do some sleep tracking and enjoyed it and got some insights out of it. So maybe I'll give it another shot. I, I haven't once tried it with my Apple watch. Tyler is really enjoying the sleep tracking. Cause he also, he's a, he doesn't sleep that well. Um, so can I tell you though, what one of the reasons I stopped, I think I've said this in the podcast before. I read a study that said that placebo effect is really valuable for sleep. In other words, if you believe you slept well, that actually improves your quality of life the next day versus if you believe you didn't sleep well. And so sometimes having a monitor that says, hey, you slept poorly can actually affect <laughs> your day. I could so see that. I feel like that actually is part of the reason. Like I did it for a few nights and it was like telling me that I didn't get much deep sleep. And I was like, I felt like I had a fine night's sleep. Yeah. And, and it, it kind of bummed you. me out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay let's, let's move on. Well, before we talk about the iPads, I wanted to go over the um, subscriptions because one of them is related to the Apple Watch. I was just going to say the same thing, Fitness Plus. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah, so Apple Fitness Plus. This is one David, I think, is might be our biggest cheerleader of Apple Fitness Plus. I so. am, and I'm a little bit surprised at myself for being so excited about it. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to um, let you tell about it first. Okay, so yeah, let me describe it before I go on and on about why I'm so excited. Basically, it is a fitness service where they will be releasing fitness uh, videos each week uh, for a, a range of exercises. And I didn't catch them all, but there was yoga, there was cycling, there was cardio and strength and maybe dance classes, dance classes, which is the, I'm all in on the dance classes. Uh, and you might be joking, but I'm not, I know I am joking about that. <laughs> I decided to leave that hanging so you wouldn't know, but I'm not going to do the dance class. Um, so yeah, that's the basic idea. But what's nice is it part pairs with your Apple watch. So it uses functionality from your Apple watch to track what's happening. And I don't exactly understand how they use that technology. Um, it got, I got a little bit hazy on, on it in terms of it seems like it'll like push you to go harder based on 
how your Apple Watch is doing. Did you understand how exactly it used the Apple Watch? No, but I mean, intuitively from what you're saying, I think like <laughs> Let's guess. that, um, I mean, already from the, the way that a lot of fitness bands works is it'll track, it, it can track what zone you're in, in terms of your heart rate and what yeah. you're doing and can help you like have a peak of your workout where you are like pushing into a higher zone. That's something that I actually have been wishing the Apple watch had for a while. Cause I've been to like fitness classes, orange fitness. I don't know if you've heard of that where they mm -hmm. will tell you like certain parts of the workout where you're supposed to push extra hard because it's tracking your heart rate and will tell you like for you, which zone you're in. Yeah. Um, and so my impression was that it works like that. No, you're exactly right. And I'm looking on their website now and they have like a little like meter that shows you based on your heart rate where you, you should be, like if you should be going harder or slower. And right. yeah, so it's, I, yeah I really, it is, it's, it's exactly like Orange Fitness. Yeah, like. it's exactly like Orange Fitness. Well, it's kind of a hybrid between Orange Fitness and uh, Peloton, because this is why I'm excited. I had the Peloton app. So I don't know if everybody knows this, because Peloton is primarily known for their uh, stationary bikes that you buy, which are crazy expensive, but they also have a standalone app. And it's like, I think it's the same price, actually. I think it's like $9.99 a month. And they release videos every day uh, and they have fitness classes. So I would take it to the gym, get on a stationary bike, which was, you know, didn't cost me very much and just use it with the, with the band or with the Peloton app. Or you can do yoga, you can do cardio, you can do all these types of things. And I really enjoyed it. Um, but I did it, I missed the like feedback. So especially for something like cardio or for spin, you kind of want to know, am I, should I be going harder? Should I be going less hard? And you have a little bit more of that in a live class. And so I sort of stopped using it for that reason. Also, I wanted to buy a Peloton and then didn't. Um, <laughs> but this sort of feels like the hybrid solution I've been looking for, where A, it has the kind of live class energy that I enjoy. Um, Cause I, somebody in our, in our uh, office was saying how, well, you can just look up a YouTube video, but I don't find that to be the same quality at all. Um, no. So it, it has the live classes, but it also gives you personalized feedback. Um, and I love using my Apple watch for fitness. So all of that stacked up to me to be something that I was excited about, especially in the COVID days where I can't go, I'm not going to the gym right now. So just to plug the class that we're going to be teaching, like I said, again, next Wednesday, really tuning into a live class is a really different yeah, energy than going is. and like watching videos on your own. Some people, pe people have different preferences. So that's like why it's nice to have both options, but um, being able to tune into a class and like get that social aspect and that accountability too. There's something about like joining a class that feels different. Yeah. And so um, that, that appealed to me from the Apple fitness plus as well. Um, also the fact it's not that expensive, like fitness. If you look at a gym membership, that can easily be like a hundred bucks a month. This is oh, $10 yeah. a month. Totally. It's not going to be available until it says available by the end of the year. So mm -hmm. we have to wait for it, which is a bummer. But, um, yeah, I feel like if, if the classes are good, if the teachers are good, then that's something I would totally pay for. Um, some of the people in our office too, were talking about like already anticipating, winter months with COVID and how are you going to get any exercise and you don't want to go to public gyms and things like that. And so this also, I feel, it feels very well-timed. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. That there's, you know, if you're wanting to work out from home, but have the class environment that this could be perfect.
Yeah, and, and the other thing I was saying too, and as we were debriefing from this, the the areas where Apple comes out with new services that annoy me are when they try to just carbon copy an existing service. So, for example, I'm well known for in the office for being a Spotify fan. I love Spotify. And so it really annoyed me when Apple came out with Apple Music because they didn't do anything that made Apple Music better than Spotify, in my opinion. They just said, we're going to copy it and we'll put an Apple logo and you'll love it. Uh, and, you know, obviously Apple has a lot of advantages because of the ecosystem. For example, I have a HomePod that would be much more useful if I had Apple Music. Um, but this did not feel like Apple copping out. This felt like Apple actually having a truly innovative product. There aren't a lot of products that pair with Apple Watches or fitness devices in such a well-synced uh, way, which is something that Apple specializes in. So I, I thought it was a really innovative idea. Yeah, that's a, it's a good point. There's not really anything out there like it. And it's cool. If you buy a new Apple Watch, you get three months free yeah. as well. So that's a nice little perk. Um, and also, if you have Apple Music, you can also download the playlists from the workouts, which is a nice little perk. Um, I was concerned if any of you listening were in the Facebook group, I was worried that maybe you needed an Apple Music subscription to listen to the playlist during workouts, but we don't think that's true. Um, no, we don't believe that's true. Okay. Um, um, another subscription option that Apple came out with today is called Apple One, mm -hmm. and that lets you bundle together different Apple subscriptions. Um, you get Apple Music, Apple TV+, Apple Arcade, iCloud. Uh, your iCloud subscription, Apple News, and Apple Fitness. Apple News and Apple Fitness, there are different tiers of Apple One, and Apple News and Apple Fitness you get with the most premium version. Otherwise, you get the rest of the different things all bundled together. Um, I'd have to, I have to check. Um, I have it up in front of me. Oh, you, you have the pricing to... on that? Okay. Yeah. So the individual plan is $14.95. The family plan is $19.95. And the premium plan is $29.95. The individual and the family plan have the same functions. They're basically Apple Music, Apple TV, Apple Arcade, plus iCloud. Um, obviously, the family plan has more iCloud storage and you can use for your family. The Premier plan includes both, in addition to everything I just named, it has more iCloud storage and it includes News Plus and Fitness Plus. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by this. I have very mixed feelings about it. What are your thoughts on it? Mm, there's something that makes me uncomfortable just being like, oh no, all of my services are through Apple. And, <laughs> yeah. And I I'm think... like paying all this money. Um, and also because I'm a Spotify person, it do doesn't make as much sense for me. Um, and I don't have any plans to switch over to Apple Music. But I think the pricing is pretty good, especially if you do like a family plan. Um, Sarah, our senior web editor was talking about how she already pays about this much to, to manage all of her family's iCloud. They do family sharing. They, um, they have Apple music, a family plan for that. And she spends about 30 bucks a month on it. So I think this would be paying about the same and she'd have other services thrown in there like Apple arcade, which an Apple TV plus that she doesn't already use, um, and Apple fitness. So I think for a lot of people, it'll make sense. Yeah, I think what bothers me about it is actually what I was saying earlier, which is Apple sometimes uh, comes out with sort of half-baked services. Services either like Apple Music where it, it's, um, you know, they sort of just carbon copied someone else and didn't necessarily do it perfectly, in my opinion, or something like 
Apple TV Plus, which is like, there aren't that many shows on it. And I don't watch it very much, even though I have it for free. I know. Um, so it's sort of like, oh, they're bundling together like a few things I want and most of them that I don't want. And same thing with news. Apple News Plus is just like, there's, it's not the news service that I want. And the thing that annoys me in addition to the fact that when I go line by line, these aren't necessarily things that I'm interested in, is just this feels like I'm solving Apple's problem for them, not the other way around. <laughs> it feels like Apple is sitting here, like just as like the, a biz, the business analyst in me sees why Apple's doing this. They're sitting here and they're watching their, their biggest cash cow, the iPhone, start to become a more mature product that people don't necessarily buy each year. So sales on the iPhone have begun to slow in the last couple of years. And Apple's looking at companies like Amazon and they have Amazon Prime and it's a subscription service and it's a cash cow for them. And they're thinking, well, let's replace the revenue we're going to lose and the slowing uh, growth rate of the iPhone with a service. And that's great. And, you know, as an investor, it kind of makes you want to invest. But as like a customer, they just didn't do enough to convince me that this was a, a service I had to have in my life. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does make sense. And so like, and I think that's why I resent it a little bit. I'm like, how nice for Apple. Yeah, no, that's exactly <laughs> it. And like, I think that to be honest, I think that I'm willing to bet within five years, you and I will both have this. Like, I think I Apple know. will keep adding to it until it's at a level where you just can't say no. And that's sort of what Amazon Prime did, right? Like I didn't subscribe to Amazon Prime on day one. I waited for a while until I couldn't live without it. Um, so I think Apple's slowly building up to it and eventually it'll probably be a great service, but it, it does feel like it's solving a problem for Apple more than the customers. And it, it does get to the heart of what we started this conversation with, which is Apple's reputation is a company that comes first and they're a hardware company. They're a company that creates great products. And this feels like this is sort of like Tim Cook appealing to Wall Street. And I just, it, it bothers me. And I hate to say, I don't think Steve Jobs would do this because he might've done it, but it just doesn't feel like it's exactly Apple's DNA. It feels like they're evolving into a company that I'm not as excited about. I know. I also don't love how, like when things are bundled sometimes, how they're not bundled the way you would put them together. Like yeah. with the iCloud, they, they have different levels of plans. Like the premium, you get two terabytes of iCloud storage, which is a ton. And then you get 50 gigabytes or something. I don't remember exactly what it was at the different tiers, but basically I thought like there could be a situation where you would want most of the basic services, but you want more iCloud storage. And it didn't look like you had really the ability to, to mix and match what you no. want. Yeah, and I so agree. that that's, it, it, I tend to be someone who would rather just like pick and choose what I, what I'm going to use and pay for it as opposed to get a bundle anyway. Um, the, but we should talk about iPads. Yes. Let me just say one more piece on this. The thing okay. that would make this interesting to me, and I don't know if Apple's moving this direction or not, is if they actually did start including devices. So for example, if I paid $40 a month, but I just got a new iPhone every time it came out. I don't know if that math works. I just threw out a number, but something like that, where it's like part of the service is a new iPhone every year, then I'm interested. <laughs> I mean, if, if the math adds up, but... I think that's a really interesting model that Amazon can't do, you know? Yeah, that could be interesting. So we also got two new iPads. Yes. David's going to tell us about them. Um, 
we got a base level iPad and then an iPad Air. Yeah. And first of all, I just want to put a caveat on this, that iPads are really a confusing product for Apple right now. So I'm going to do my best to help you all sort through it, but I'm a little bit confused, to be honest. So in uh, the naming conventions don't help. So the first product that Apple announced was the iPad 8th generation, uh, which you know, it, the, it, there's no descriptive word there. It's just an iPad, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I think sort of sums it up a little bit. It is sort of just an iPad. Um, it's, it's kind of that classic iPad form factor. So it's a 10.2 inch display uh, and it has a home button. It has an A12 chip. So we'll get into it. The newer, the newer iPad has an A14 chip. So it's one generation behind and Apple... <laughs> kind of euphemistically referred to this as their most popular iPad. And what they meant by that is it's their budget iPad. So what's nice about this is it's a pretty feature packed iPad for 300, starting at $329, which is a really reasonable price for an iPad, um, especially one that does all these things. So largely it was an incremental update to what was the seventh generation iPad. Um, but it was nonetheless an update to and I believe Apple when they say it's the most popular one. If you're someone who wants an iPad but doesn't care about the latest and greatest, you just want to be able to say like, call your grandkids or like check your email and browse the web. This is a perfect device. It's also a perfect device for students. Um, if you are, my stepson uses an iPad as his only device for school and I'm not buying him an iPad Pro for that. <laughs> so it's perfect for that. Um, so yeah, I think that's the first one. Did I did I miss anything that was important? No, I don't think so. Um, did you list the price for that one? Starts at three twenty nine. Oh, I could have sworn it was cheaper than that. Um, it for students, it's I think two ninety nine. Okay, yeah, I think I was just remembering like the lowest of the low price. So yeah. it, it does seem like a good student student option. Yeah, I agree. Um, so the next iPad announced was the one that Donna's interested in, spoiler, uh, and that is the fourth generation iPad Air. That one, so the third generation iPad Air, just because sometimes you need to compare and contrast, looked an awful lot like the iPad eighth generation. Um, when you look at the specs, they're actually almost identical. Uh, it had the 12, it had the home button, it had the A12 processor. So, but Apple really upgraded the iPad Air, in my opinion, the fourth generation. They made it an edge-to-edge -edge display, so they got rid of the home button. Um, they made it USB-C so that it, it can uh, work with accessories, uh, and it now works with their new smart keyboard, which is cool, has an A14 processor, because it's an edge-to-edge -edge display, it's 10.9 inches, and it starts at 599. So we sort of have this interesting thing where before this, we had the iPad uh, seventh generation, we had the iPad Air, and then we had the iPad Pro. The iPad Air and the iPad seventh generation were very budget-friendly options. Um, and they were a little bit hard to distinguish. And then the iPad Pro was really expensive. Uh, but it was great. It had this beautiful edge-to-edge -edge display, excellent processor. And so the iPad Air sort of it threads the needle, in my opinion, of uh, that middle ground where it's 
it's exciting. It's going to be way more fun to own, but it's not going to break the bank. Is that why you're excited about it? Yeah, exactly. Like for me, it's really hard to want to spend like upwards of a thousand dollars on a new iPad. Cause yeah. then it's like, well, I could get a new laptop. I mean, laptops are more expensive than that, but still it's like, I start comparing it to that and I'm not, not at a place where I'm going to use an iPad in place of a laptop. So it just feels harder to justify. But um, I have the oh, one of the older iPads. I think it's the seventh generation. Um, and just using the home button and not having the edge-to-edge display and having the display quality. It's one of the older LCD screens instead of um, the newer. Pretty, it's not. I know the newer ones aren't OLED, but they do seem to be like way better display quality still. They're a, a liquid retina. Liquid retina. Um, and so it just makes me like a little bit less excited to use my iPad. Mm-hmm. I can do all the basics you mentioned, like, you know, send emails and watch videos and stuff. I, with the iPad air, I was kind of like, Ooh, you get all the new form factor that looks so nice. You get the edge to edge display. You have a lot of the new things that you want. Um, but you're not having to pay, pay so much. You know? And I really did. I, I, I have the iPad pro, uh, and the 11 inch. And I think I paid over a thousand dollars for it. Like it really does break the bank. Um, and you oh, know, can also I... the new iPad air works with the new Apple pencil too, which is nice. Cause it magnetically sticks to your iPad. So you're less likely to lose it. Stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, one other difference too, just by the way, between the, uh, iPad, um, the iPad air and the iPad eighth generation is the iPad Air is a liquid retina display and the iPad, um, I'm just double checking this as I'm talking to you, but yeah, the iPad Air is a liquid retina display and the iPad 8th generation is not. And I actually do notice a difference. Like it is, you know, sometimes Apple throws a bunch of fancy marketing jargon at you and, and hopes they that you're convinced, but this is something that the display on my iPad Pro, even though it is not an OLED, is noticeably better. And I really like it. So that's another thing. Um, one interesting. I, was say, I think display quality is super important. Yeah, especially for an iPad. Um, one interesting thing is something that was really missing, and I I'm not sure what the story is. I think we'll probably find out within the next few days. They did not announce a new iPad Pro, and I don't I know, know if they're going to announce it in October. Yeah, I feel like it's possible. Because, but Tim Cook said something like we are announcing updates to all of the full-size iPads and then did not announce it. And I, part of me thinks they're actually discontinuing it because the iPad wow. Pro as it stands today has an A12 processor. So I don't know why you would buy, spend you know, upwards of $1,000 for an A12 processor when you could buy a brand new iPad Air for $599. And when you look at the specs across the board, the iPad Air is now has better specs than the iPad Pro, um, which well, is crazy. What, what about if they just, if in October they come out with a new iPad Pro that has an A14 though? Yeah, and they might do that, but even then they would really have to differentiate. Like, I don't know what they would do to make the iPad Pro that much better than the iPad Air to justify charging more. Um, maybe they will. I mean, that Apple will maybe will surprise me, but it's strange. I would have expected them to announce it today if they were going to announce it. Right? Yeah, it seems like it would be the natural time to. Yeah, I, I actually think I, I think I'm going to get the iPad Air. 
I, <laughs> I, I think you should, honestly, like, I think it's really good value. If, if for no other reason, like if, I don't think this is why Apple is switching from the pro to the air, but like the fact that Apple has been charging uh, like eight, $900 for the iPad pro for a few years and now just released a, a basically a renamed iPad air for uh, starting at 599, it makes it really compelling. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, they do do a good job of that. I'm like, since when do I imagine $600? Since when do I consider $600 being like saving? Yeah. Well, okay. But here's the thing. And this is the same. I give this spiel quite a bit. But the thing about iPads is Apple for the last few years has been trying to make them be a computer replacement. And in my opinion, they've been failing at that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do not think that... And I think an iPad can be a computer replacement for somebody who doesn't do a lot of actual work work. Like if you just need to check your email, browse the web, get on a Zoom call, you're fine. But like the multitasking is bad. The mouse support is getting better, but still isn't there. And so part of me, the reason why Apple was trying to market the iPad as a replacement for a computer is because you kind of have to do that if you're going to charge $1,000 for a device. Part of me thinks Apple's surrendering to the fact that an iPad is a, is for lighter use and therefore should just be charged, they should charge less for it. Because I love my iPad. I think that's one of the things that gets lost in my complaining about uh, Apple trying to make an iPad a computer replacement. I love it. And for $599, I mean, it's, it's expensive. It depends on what your budget is. But it makes it a lot easier to justify buying, even if you're not going to use it as your primary computing device. Now, um, I was going to ask you, like, what, since you have the iPad Pro, you'll be more uh, aware of this. What sets the iPad Air and iPad Pro apart now? I mean, you get a new processor in the iPad Air, so it's better in that way. But what are you losing out on? The only thing that I can see that you're losing on, and I'm sitting here staring at the specs and comparing them, is the iPad Pro has a better rear-facing camera. Which is like, who cares for me? I care zero about a (laughs) rear-facing camera on an iPad. Like, I always have complained that they make that an exciting feature because nobody walks around with an iPad taking photos. I mean, very rare. at most, you're going to be using the selfie camera on the iPad. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, it's, yeah. I mean, I'm staring at this, and I cannot figure out any noticeable difference. It's the same size display. It had, they're both liquid retina. The iPad Pro has what they call pro motion technology. I literally have no idea what that is. Uh, yeah, and the iPad Air has a, better, um, has a better processor. So I think one of two things is gonna happen. Either Apple's about to release an iPad Pro, and I do recommend, I mean, it may be worth waiting till October to find out, um, or Apple's discontinuing the iPad Pro, because as it stands right now, the product lineup just does not make sense to buy an iPad Pro. Yeah, it really does. That is a good question. What's going to happen with that? And you can order the new iPad starting next month, they said, right? It, yeah, well, that's the interesting thing. I was just getting ready to say that. They don't let you order it to next month, which maybe confirms our conspiracy theory that Apple's going to announce an iPad Pro next month. And they're saying, hey, don't buy the Air yet because you'll want to compare and contrast with our cooler iPad Pro that's coming out. <laughs> yeah, potentially. That's a good point. But it does seem like they'd have to come out with some pretty great new updates for it in order for you to want to spend more. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, which okay. Could, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. But um, why don't we make our question of the week, like what people are planning on buying from today's announcement? Yeah. Um, are you planning on buying any of the new Apple watches or the new iPads? Email us at podcast at iPhoneLife.com and let us know why or why not. And, let's and we'll recap. read out our answers next week. Next yeah. And two weeks in two weeks. I, and just to recap our answers, I am unfortunately buying the Apple watch for my wife, the series six. <laughs> I'm not buying anything here. None of it got me. Cause I have the pro, the iPad pro, which I love. And I have the series five. So I don't think I'm personally buying anything. And you are, I buying- am, I'm, I'm eyeing the new iPad air. I have one of the older, um, just regular iPad models. And I feel very tempted by these upgrades because I feel like the old form factor without the edge to edge display and with the home button just feels not good enough. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. think you should, because I, I, I think your experience as you conveyed to me was you bought it but then it was just not exciting, right? Like it just didn't do it for you. And I think that's the argument for not getting the eighth generation. It's a perfectly functional device, but an iPad is very rarely a device that is essential in your life because you can usually either use a phone or a computer. And so unless it's exciting, it's not really worth buying. (laughs) Yeah, and for the people who do need it for like students in school, for instance, then I think that's what that baseline iPad's for. But I think a lot of the listeners that we have for this podcast are more tech enthusiasts. And so you're going to want the the exciting one. I think so. (laughs) I do. Um, The one thing I've realized... Apple Fitness. I'm in on Apple Fitness. <laughs> oh yeah, David, they did get you somewhere. Me. I'm gonna I'm gonna try Apple Fitness for sure, but I am gonna wait to say I'm excited about it until I've tried it. And um, just before we go though, I wanted just to remind all of you one more time about iPhone Life Insider. Yes. This is the time for to you to subscribe and try our educational platform. We've got the iOS 14 course coming up next week. We have a free um, We have a free course this Thursday if you sign up. Uh, It's a bonus lesson to help you update to iOS 14 and avoid common stumbling blocks for that. So go on over to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount to claim 50% off your subscription and an extra 10% off if you are a senior service personnel, veteran, or health professional. And I, I forgot to men- mention this at the top of the show. If so, if you're still listening, thank you. Uh, it's the cheapest we ever offer it. Like you will never get a better deal on it. We will never sell it for less than this. So if you've been thinking about it for a while, just <laughs> make that purchase in peace because we're never going to give it to you any cheaper than this. Yes. And David and I are teaching this course. Yeah, so if you subscribe to Insider, you can come hang out with us and not just have us talking at you. It can be a two-way conversation. I was, I was just going to say, <laughs> when you're sitting here and you're hearing us and you want to like hop on and say, hey, you guys are wrong. You can yeah. do that to our face in this class. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we hope to see you on Insider. We'll be back in two weeks with our next episode. Um, we're going to have some Uh, more, you know, follow-up content about this announcement and also help you stay abreast of what's happening in October with the iPhone 12. Bye. Bye.